0: Welcome everyone to the gaming couch. Be it video games, card games, or board games, we'll have a good time playing. So come and join me on the couch, this is your host, Smart Boy. Hello. Hello. Hello everyone. I'm trying to get like creative with these openings. It obviously shows that it's still a major work in progress for me being creative on that aspect. Mm. Anyway, hello again. So uh, last week I mentioned that I wanted to kind of talk about music because I feel it's really important for us when playing games, but I really haven't looked at anything in depth in terms of music. And it's time to break that down. It's time to stop sitting on that. It's time to actually do something with that. So music. Obviously music is everywhere. You know, listening in the car playing games you go to a concert doing work whatever there's many reasons why we like to listen to music and we all have different music that we enjoy it's one way or another all right and in terms of games and even movies and tv shows music plays a very important part because it can help show certain emotions deliver a message various things can be done carried on those notes and it's more than just the genre. It's more than just, in an action movie, let's play a high-paced action song or something like that. The songs that are specifically tailored to the events are the songs that then stick with us. They play over and over again in our head for a while. They make us feel a certain way playing it. we like Our spine tingles. Our skin crawls stuff like that both positive and negative, when we hear that song, because we remember that event. Because when we hear that song, it's tied specifically to one single event that we remember from a game or movie or whatnot. And I started thinking about this recently, because the other week I'm just kind of sitting there hanging out, doing my thing, and suddenly my mind decides to start playing in its head the really awesome theme song to the Rock Hawk fight in Paper Mario Thousand Year Door. And this is what I mean about the music sticking with us. That song has been implanted in my mind for years, ever since I first encountered Rock Hawk in Paper Mario a Thousand Year Door. Because that song just kind of encompasses everything about his character. <clears throat> so now, those of you who don't know this character, Paper Mario a Thousand Year Door, a fantastic RPG game, broken up into multiple chapters. Each chapter has you going and collecting a shiny object, a crystal star. And the third chapter in the game, you go to a place called the Glitz Pit, and it's just a fighting arena. Think of like, you know, a wrestling arena, whatever, however you want to look at it. But there's a bunch of fights, and it's a bracket system, so you just move up in the ranks until you each champion, and then the champion has their belts. And when you first get to the Glitz Pit, you see a fight going on between Rawcock the champion, and some other fighter— Walkhawk wins, <clears throat> he holds the championship sill, all that kind of stuff, and then he holds the belt, and on the belt you see the crystal star, and everyone's and then you and your partner are like, Okay, there's a the belt, so we gotta fight our way to the top, beat the champ, and get the belt. Now this chapter has a lot of mixed feelings by our fans. On one hand, people don't like it because it's just a gauntlet. Like there are there's a little like a mystery thrown in there that you do here and there, but for the most part, it's just fight after fight after fight after fight after fight after fight. And each fight is just a little bit different. There's some unique enemies to the Glitz Pit. The guy who runs the place always gives you, like, some special challenge to complete while doing the fight that you have to complete. Like, if it says don't use items, you have to not use items the next fight, otherwise you don't go up in rank. So they throw a few little things in there to spice it up. But otherwise, it's just fighting. I mean, a lot of chapters, there's fighting. It's just different. It's in the world, you're running around, so you're able to avoid the fights. But when you really think about it, the amount of fights in the Glitz Pit... Equal to, that to the amount of amount of fighting you do in just about any other chapter, maybe a little bit more, depending on the length of the other chapters. It's just the way it's set up. But I I love that chapter. Because I do kind of like the and I do kinda of like the setting, but I like it because of that Rock Hawk fight. As you're going through the chapter, every fight has a standard battle music that you hear whenever you go into a fight anywhere. That's just normal, right? Yet when you get to Rock Hawk, the entire chapter has been building up to this fight against this big champ guy who's really confident, really cocky, talks a lot of shit. It's, it's been amping you up to this fight, of saying, you got to get there, you got to get there, you got to get the belt, you got to get the belt, pushing you, pushing you, pushing you. And when you get to him, and the curtains open, and the music starts, it is just this awesome rock song. Like, adrenaline pumping, because the game, like... The people making the game, they knew that throughout the entire glitz pit, you are gearing yourself up and psyching yourself up for this fight. Now Rock Hawk himself, he's not that hard of an enemy, because he's not the final boss of that chapter. I'll get to that in a second. So he's not too hard. And that's his music reflects that. He's very flashy. He's a he's a pro wrestler. Like when you ever watch pro wrestling, WWE or whatever, it it's an act. It's Flashy, you know, the intros that the characters have when they come into the arena, and stuff like that. It's very flashy. So his song and the way he acts is the same way. Rockhawk is all about the flair. He uses unique attacks. So most of them they run over and attack you. He's like jumping off the walls, doing flips in the air and stuff like that. Like the attacks aren't super powerful, but they're so flashy. And so his song represents that. It's amping you up and getting adrenaline pumping, and it's just so flashy. Just they use, like, what sounds like little gunshots going off in some way. They got guitar riffs. They're doing all this stuff that just kind of gets thrown in there. It's synced up very well. And it it blows you away. Like, the first time you get in there, it just blows you away that this is the this is the fight. Like, you're, you're now ready. And that music starts going. Your blood starts pumping. Like, let's do this. You get so amped up for it. And I love it. The music plays so well to the feeling of the character, to the feeling of the player at that point, and it reflects exactly who Rock Hawk is—this big, flashy, confident, energetic guy. And then you beat him, and the music's over, and it's just kind of like, ah, that's it. You know, you, you, it's just done. The music just cuts out, and it's just done. And you hear the crowd screaming and everything, and it just feels so good. And that song just. It sticks, and so many people know that song. Like, anyone who's played Paper Mario Thousand Your Door, you ask them, I'd be willing to bet they they would remember that song, like, by heart. It's so memorable. And then with that, following up from that, the end of the chapter, you discover that the guy right the place, Mr. Grubba, has the real Crystal Star. The one on the belt was fake. He has the real Crystal Star and found out that that plus this machine thingy that he built somehow, they don't really explain it, but doesn't really matter – He's able to drain the power out of people, like out of the big champ fighters, and keep himself powerful and young. Because he's he used to be, you know, the first champ. He was the guy that opened the glitz pit. He's all about the fighting. He wants to keep that energy. He wants to keep that you know, that life, essentially. It's hidden, it's secretive, because he's essentially killing people to get their power. And it's a pretty cool little twist. I I thought it was pretty cool. And what I like is when you reach him, you fight him in the glitz pit. There's been all this build-up, this mystery of saying, don't go to the glitz pit when no one's out there, this, that, the other thing, warning you, warning you, warning you. And you eventually do go out into the glitz pit when no one's there, and it's just Grubba. And then he reveals, yep, I've been using machine, I'm draining power, I'm going to amp up. And he just buffs up into this massive guy, Macho Grubba, and you fight him. When you fight him, you're still in the glitz pit. You're still in the main arena. You're you're in the main arena. You just fought Rock Hawk in. So it's the same location. There's just no crowd. The setting is completely different. When the music starts, where Rock Hawk was very energetic, loud, and had all sorts of sound effects going on and everything, very flashy, Grubba's, there's still some energy to it, but it's that very mellow, more electric style, you know? When he kind of goes like a synth wave or electric song that's, more about the beat and rhythm than about the energy, that's Grubba's fight. Because this guy, you're fighting him, you're not supposed to be fighting him. You know, this is not a real fight. There's no crowd or anything like that. It's an underground fight against a guy who's just abusing power. And so the song reflects that with this kind of mellow feeling, but there's a little bit of electric in there, of his energy. Like, there are certain beats and certain rhythms that go on in the song that reflect... This guy just amping up from artificial power. So Rock Hawk uses like natural instruments, things like that. But Grubba's fight has more of that electronic synthetic noise to it. And that's ha- that's his fighting. It's not real, not anymore. I and mean, he was a fighter in the past, but now that he's gotten older, it's synthetic. It's not real power. It's borrowed power from other people that he injects into himself. And so the song's kind of reflecting that. And I still remember the song. It's a good song, but it's nothing like Rock Hawk's song. Because the entire time, you're amped up for Rock Hawk, It's pushing you towards Rock Hawk, so the music delivers it. But Groba just kind of sneaks in at the end. So even though the song's good and re- you remember the song, it doesn't give you that same feeling. Like, when I think of fighting Groba, I'm a little more relaxed in turns, thanks to the song, because I, well, I didn't anticipate the first time I played. I'm like... All right, let me, let me, like, I wasn't energized. I was thinking, I was trying to strategize how to take this guy down, the final boss. When Rock Hawk, I was all about, like, just go. Let's just go. I was just excited to get in there. Hmm. Another event of just, like, amazing storytelling. I go back to Dragon Age Origins. Dragon Age Origins is one of the greatest RPGs I've ever played because it was one of my first also. Like, it it has a lot of meaning to me because it was one of my first epics I ever played in terms of video games. very lengthy. Lots of stuff going on. It has some pretty good storytelling to it, too. But I remember the one song. I'm not sure the title of it, but it's it's kind of like... Not, I wouldn't say the Grey Warden theme, but it plays... If you've ever played Origins, you'll know what I'm talking about. It plays near the beginning of the game. We're hang to Tower of Ostagar. It's like that initial skirmish that goes on down near the wilds. You have the kings there, he has all of his men, he's got his army to take on the blight. And that cutscene that plays, just before you cross the bridge to head to the tower to get ready to light the beacon, is amazing. Because it starts with, everyone's just lined up, like all the king's men is lined up, and they're getting ready for this war. And so you hear like this very soft vocalist singing, like kind of humming, and the music matches it. Like everyone, you you as a player, you know what's coming. Okay, it's still the very beginning of the game, but you know what's coming. This big fight's about to go. All the king's men there, they know what's coming. They're getting ready for it, and so it's so peaceful. And there's kind of like some drums playing, and then of course the enemy comes out. The dark spawn up, a right like the dark spawn appear coming out of the forest, advancing, and as soon as the camera switches to them, the music, the, sh- the tone, the music shifts completely that soft humming and singing, the peaceful instruments, it all goes away into this dark and dreary, very, I don't know, what's the word? Like forbidding? I'm not sure the word. of just, you do not feel comfortable as the enemy approaches. And every time it goes back and forth, it goes back to the king's men, and the music changes. So it kind of shifts back and forth as it goes back and forth between the two sides. And then as they're facing each other down, the music kind of just stops, because everyone's waiting in anticipation for what's about to happen. The Darkspawn charge first, and as they're charging forward, that's when then, like the big drums come out. You know, th- think of like Lord of the Rings, kind of like the orcs and stuff like that. That just big, imposing beat starts up, and the second the king says charge, and all the kings going to go charging forward, boom! Immediately, that that forbidding music, the loud drums, it all goes away, and it hits you this very heroic melody, and you just feel ready. You're like, yep, this is it. We're going in. We're going to win this. And then you, up on the bridge, heading to the tower, you're like, I got a job to do. I'm going to succeed. And the music plays for a little bit longer as you're crossing the bridge, and you know the fighting below has started, and you have a job to do. And this epic, heroic music, kind of like, it's like a theme song for the Grey Wardens. I can't remember what it's called. I don't think that's what it is, but it feels that way. You just started in the Grey Wardens. This music just started. This very powerful music that you're ready to go. You know, the events then happen in the game. And throughout the rest of the game, you never hear that song again, that epic heroic music of when the king's men first charged to fight the Darkspawn, because they lose that fight, and that's what kickstarts the whole game. You know, Loghain betrays the king, all the king's men, and the king himself is killed down there, so that epic heroic music just disappears. You don't hear it for the rest of the game, for the most part. You have all the other stuff going on. Like you know what you're up against, but you're still trying to make it work. And at the very end of the game, when you mar- march to Denarum to take it back from the Darkspawn and take on the Archdemon, as you're atop the hill before Denarum, and you have all your men gathered, you have the entire army gathered. And depending on your choices, there's somebody going to be giving a speech, right? depending on what you end up doing. All right, either Alistar or the Queen. And they start to give off this speech, like, trying to inspire all the men and saying, you know, let's get ready, let's go. And as they're saying that, the music starts up again. That same song from the very beginning of the game, when the king first led the charge against the Darkspawn down in the wilds, starts again. And you just feel good once again. Like, this was the intended purpose. We were supposed to win, and things went wrong. But now we are prepared more than last time. We're better prepared. And I'm here and I am stronger as a player. I am stronger and I'm ready to take on the enemy. And so the music kicks up again and your spine just tingles with like anticipation and excitement and joy because what's about to happen? You're like, last time we lost. And you start to remember everything. You start to remember your mentor, Duncan. You start to remember the king and everyone else that died. You start to remember them because of that song because it only played that one time. It has meaning. It has weight. And you start to think, I need to do this for them. I'm ready to go down there, and I'm ready to win for them because it was suppo- we were supposed to win before, but we didn't. So now it's time essentially for, like, revenge. Like, it's payback time, and we're going to win. And I keep saying that word win because that's what the music makes you feel. It makes you feel like you're going to win. You're ready to win, and you want to win. And the music pushes that angle so much. And I enjoy it so much. Like, the atmosphere created I mean, this even goes for a lot of horror games. Like, that's if you're making a horror game, one of the biggest elements is exactly that. remember Dead Space and Bioshock, the way they did it. Bioshock had a little more music than Dead Space. Because Dead Space was supposed to be like all alone in space. It pushed more of the sound effects. It did a little more on the jump scares than Bioshock. And Bioshock, I think, was a little more of the atmosphere, because you would hear very Basic melodies and tones in Bioshock as you're exploring the Undercity Water of Rapture and Dead Space. Yeah, it, it, as much as I don't like jump scares, the way Dead Space handled it with their sound effects worked very well because it would build things up when nothing was really going on. There really wasn't any music that didn't need to be. You know, when you're playing, like, Dragon Age Origins and other adventure games, a lot of times it's, like, ambient background music playing as you're just exploring the world or whatever. But Dead Space, Bioshock, there's, like, next to none. There was nothing going on. You were alone. Like, there was nothing to accompany you. Even the music. Because a lot of times when music plays, you're at least accompanied by something. But with those two games, there's nothing there. And so in Dead Space, when they hit you with that scare, they would play this loud, screeching sound effect that would come out of nowhere, you felt it. And it was even worse, and in terms of worse, I mean, like, scarier, when they did have music. Because in all the other parts of the game, there was no music. You not really think of anything. Like, hey, you might get a little bit of, like, some mechomorphs might jump out and attack you. It might be that loud screeching sound effect here and there. For the most part, you were kind of, like, calm because you're like, you yeah, know, there's nothing happened, there's no music. But there were a few parts in the game. You're walking down the hallway, zigzagging through some rooms, It's very mellow. There's there's very mellow sound effects kind of in the background. So there's something out there. You know something's out there because the music's telling you that. The music's playing this very soft, ambient noise. Because then when things hit you, it gets extreme. And then it really kicks in. Like, this is what I was building me up for. Like, you're tense because the music is telling you to be tense subconsciously. It's like, there's nothing there. You're not seeing anything. You're not interacting with anything. Because the music, there, you can tell, like, yeah, there's, I need to be on my guard. Like, it's a cliche. People always say that's It's a cliche. When the music changes, something's going to happen. Like, when you're playing an RPG, oh, the music shifts, That is about to be a boss fight. Because it's true. Because <laughs> it's so true. When you want to convey a message, you use music. All right? You don't have to have anything else. You just need music. The last game I want to touch on, and I've talked about it before, is Fury. Because Fury does all that so well it conveys messages it makes you feel a certain way it's memorable because each person you fight in that game the music is their personality so like where where origins use that big heroic music piece to set the stage for you and where paper mario had rock hawk's very energetic and flashy music and macho gruba's more mellow underground electric synthetic music Each boss in Fury, as I mentioned before, like a long time ago when I first started this whole podcast, each boss has tailor-made music because you don't get to know about them that much. There's an opening cutscene, there's some dialogue that they say while you're fighting them, and then there's the ending scene where you kill them. And so each and every song is tailor-made to each of them to help deliver what kind of person they are while you're fighting them. And not only that, the build-up every song has what's called an approach that people have started calling it. Like, if you look like on YouTube and stuff like that for the soundtrack. Because the approach is before the fight. As you're reaching the arena and you're walking through this prison world that you're on now, and that approach is different than the battle music itself. But it still kind of reflects that person. It's kind of like how the person is normally, you know, without anything happening, it kind of gives you that that feeling. And then when you get into the fight, it shifts respectively to whoever you're fighting. And what I love is after you've defeated your enemy, after you've killed the Jailer, there's no music. And that goes back to the whole thing with, like, the Battle for Ostagar. Rock, after beating Rock Hawk, your opponent's defeated. Their life has ended. Therefore, there's nothing. You know, when someone dies, they leave this world. That's it. Whatever they leave behind, they leave behind. But in terms of them and their personality, it's gone. So when you kill the jailer in Fury, their music stops. There's like some kind of background ambient music that plays a little bit. But always that very unique tone that played for them is gone because they're gone. And they no longer have that music unless you go and like, you know, replay the bosses or whatever. But in terms of the story, like that's it. You've ended a life and therefore that song, that personality is ended and it's a bittersweet kind of thing because you feel good moving forward but also these characters you start to enjoy them you start to enjoy that music you start to enjoy who they are as a person as a fighter and then an incident ends and three of them that I remember very I mean I remember all of them very well but like in terms of like comparing contrasting you know, you have at the very end, you have the burst and the edge, and they're very similar to how Rock, Hawk and Macho Group are, are compared. When you reach the burst, this sniper lady, hunter with a rifle powerful enough to kill you in one hit, she has this massive arena. Mostly ranged combat. And when I listen to the music, I feel like I'm at a nightclub. You know, like a like a futuristic nightclub kind of thing. That's her music. You just get pumped. Like you just you just have so much fun because she enjoys it. No, she's doing. She's out for sport, essentially. She sees this as a game, and you're the biggest game out there. You're the biggest challenge, so the music kind of plays it. You, you feel like you're playing a game again because of how the rhythm's going, how the energy's going, everything. Like It's playing in my head right now, and I'm just bopping around <laughs> as I'm talking because of that. And when you defeat her and you move on, you get to the edge. The edge is completely different. The edge is more of a samurai-style character. It's very calm. He's very peaceful. He's very focused and determined. And he he also sees Ryder as a challenge. But where The Edge saw him more as a challenge of sport, Edge sees him as a challenge of character and a challenge of a warrior saying, I can improve myself by fighting you. I have talked about him before, The Edge 4. He tries to push you more. And so the music is very simple. Like, where the other bosses, the music kind of shifts between, like, major phases, because every... All the other bosses have it at some point when they're faced, they have a major shift in how they fight, and the music shifts with them. But the Edge, for the most part, pretty much fights the same way the entire time. There is a point in the, like, halfway through the fight where it switches to a 2D fencing style, and he's using a giant oar instead of a sword to fight you. It's still the same thing, though. It's just your sword, his weapon, you know, not always a sword... Mono y mano nothing else, nothing flashy. He's not about flashy comedy. He's about just one-to-one. And so the music just kind of stays the same, that very just mellow. You know, it doesn't amp you up because the music wants to stay calm because the entire point of fighting the edge is focusing, staying calm, planning your attacks, reacting to your opponent. That's what the edge is all about in terms of a fighter, in terms of his personality, his beliefs, That's what he's all about. And the music greatly reflects that. Because where where Burst's music is getting your attention, getting you hyped up and pulling you all over the place because she's all over the place and you're trying to figure things out, Edge is right there in front of you. And so the music wants to ensure that your attention doesn't go elsewhere. The music wants to ensure that you're right here, you're focused right in on who this guy is and nothing else. And then another one, Another boss that I do want to bring up in terms of this whole music thing was, um, wow, I feel like an idiot. Her name escapes me. Wow, I'm bad. The sixth boss. Why can I remember her name? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those of you who played Fury. I can't remember her name. But the woman who created the whole thing, the one who created all this whole grand scheme of the prison planets to imprison you and all that kind of stuff. She has wings. I mean, they, they really – she has wings and she has a halo, like mechanical one, biotic ones. But it really pushes this whole, I am the savior of this people and she wants to be the good guy. Because when you approach her the first time, when you reach her arena, she talks to you. Where all the other bosses have like an opening dialogue and then want to duel you, she actually gives you an offer. Join me here at this garden, stay with me, and end the bloodshed on both sides. And that's kind of cool. Like, you can actually do that. like, It's an actual option. You can sit down with her, and that's another ending you can get. I kind of like that idea. If you don't do that, though, and you actually decide to fight her, that's when she's kind of like, you're forcing me to... Like, she wants to play the victim. She wants to play that good guy victim. I'm like, you're forcing me to do this. I didn't want to do this. I wanted to try and help you. Uh, like, she, she pushes that angle a lot. And since she's flying around with these giant mechanical wings, the music is very... not angelic, it's not religious it has that in the way they have like the vocals it has that kind of tone behind it of like i think it's called who uh not who will save us now something about saving people is, is the title of the song i'm gonna like actually keep some tabs open next time i do this so i'm ready for that the music displays that in terms of giving her that angelic feeling, like she's trying to be the savior for everybody, and it pushes that with that beat it has going on and these slight vocals, and her boss fight music is the only music you hear multiple times throughout the game. At near the end of the game, when you get through all the prison plans and you get back to like their homeworld, so that way you can es- escape that planet or do whatever it is you want to do, her song plays again. As the first, those two rounds of credits, as the first round of credits roll and you're walking around the planet and you're kind of just exploring it for the first time and seeing that every time you take a step, everything around you dies and the ground turns black, her song plays again. And that's when it hits you of like, oh. In terms of the story, you realize that's who I am. That's what she meant. That's how she was trying to save her people and save me. Like the music starts up again and you get that feeling of what these people were doing. Why all them were up there. Why she song, that was her name. Why song pushed having those prison plans and pushed trying to keep you there. It only played for her, so when you hear it again, you think directly of her and you think of what she said, similar to the Battle in Ostagar, when you hear that theme again at the very end when you're attacking Denerim. the music is tied directly to that one moment. It's not used at any other time. It's not generic music. And I love it to death. You know, I kind of botched my entire explanation of Fury there at the very end by forgetting a few things. And I apologize for that. So I'm going to reference the earlier stuff. You know, when I first started this conversation, music has a personality. You know, people say this is my favorite song or this song describes me well. Because it's true. It could be corny. It might be very cliche or corny depending on their music choice. It definitely could be. Yet it has some merit. There's some value to it because it's so true hearing that kind of stuff. Like, it can say so much about a person. Like getting tattoos can say a lot about that person depending on the tattoos they get. There could be some stories behind those tattoos about why they did that, their feelings behind it, stuff like that. Music does the same thing. And when music is shaped for just one event and the first time you hear a song, depending on what's happening – it sticks with you, even like, like you know, normal songs made by famous musicians. You know, this is one song I heard at a funeral once. It was like the first time really I heard that song. Maybe the second time I really heard that song was at this funeral. And now whenever I hear that, this, that song, even though it's years later, and it's been a while since I went to that funeral, when I hear that song, my mind goes directly back to that moment, that funeral and like everything that person meant to my family, it comes back to me because of how powerful that moment in history was, and because that song I really only heard at that moment. So it's immediately associated with that powerful moment in my life. It does the same thing in video games. And even when you listen to songs, like, I make soundtracks when I'm playing D&D, and there are songs that are made for, like, general-purpose stuff, yes. However, I don't really hear the songs until I start playing D&D, because I'm looking for, like, special, like, certain type of music. And so I make playlists, and when I listen to those playlists, I always think about those adventures because that's the music is tied to that for me. Think about it. You your Next game you're playing, or even just now, think about those moving moments. What made a moment while you were playing a game so powerful for you? All right, Was it the characters? Was it the action going on, the events that transpired? Was it the music? You know, what things happened made the moment stick with you and kind of make you go back to the game too because sometimes that music pulls you back. I started playing Fallout 3 again because I want to listen to Galaxy News Radio. The songs on like that are amazing. So keep that in mind. All right. Uh, next week, oh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not entirely sure what I want to do. I want to do like, I got this game 4 against darkness. I might try experimenting with doing like an episode of me playing through that because it's just like a pen and paper solitaire dungeon calling game. I might try something like that. We'll see. I figure I got a week. I have off midwinter break. So I'm gonna we're going to experiment. I think we're going to experiment this coming week. So stay posted for all that. I might do some extra episodes throughout the week. Just, yeah, stay on alert. So for now, take care, everyone, and enjoy your February.